0: You are listening to the sermon stream of the Mulvane Church of Christ in Mulvane, Kansas. Subscribe in your favorite podcatching app, or find and listen to any sermon online at mulvanechurch.com sermons. Now I can say good morning. I'm glad you're here. Of all the places you could be on a Saturday morning... You chose to gather together with the saints. And I look forward to seeing you again tomorrow morning. My subject at this moment is the blood of Jesus. And sometimes we ask ourselves, aren't we just a little bit too sophisticated for this? Now the reason I say that is because one of my best friends from college at Slippery Rock uh, not Little Rock, Slippery Rock uh, up in Pennsylvania uh, came to visit Nancy and I after we got married and uh, we'd spent several years together at the Rock and so I shared with Jim the gospel of Jesus Christ about the death, the burial, the resurrection and faith, repentance, confession and baptism about how to become a Christian according to the New Testament teaching. And it was all well and good. Jim was a political sort of a guy. And as he left, he said, you know, that's just not sophisticated enough for me. He is now a bishop in the Methodist church. And I don't think he's changed his attitude at all about the gospel of Jesus Christ. But that's... And, and so many people, the traditional liberals of the last 150 years, do the same thing. They reject the virgin birth, which we're going to talk about in the next hour. They reject the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They reject all supernatural. They're modern day Sadducees. And so when we talk about the blood of Jesus, we ask the question, aren't we just a little bit too sophisticated for this? And the answer is no. You can never be too sophisticated for the truth. And the simpler that you make the truth, the better off it is. They always taught us at preaching school. If you put it down where the lambs can get it, the sheep got no excuse. And so what we're going to do this morning is we are going to look at the biblical teaching about the blood of Jesus. Somebody wrote a sermon a number of years ago about the scarlet thread of redemption. And he went through and I'm just going to repeat it here. In part of this lesson, uh, he went through and pointed out where the Bible talks about blood. And it's mentioned, first of all, from if, if, really from the beginning to the end. If you include where God said to Adam and Eve on the day they were created, Of every tree in the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and of evil thou, shalt, thou mayest not eat thereof. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. If you include that, it's it's almost from the the sixth day of creation. That's where we start talking about blood. It talks about it from beginning to end. The first time the word is used is is used in reference to the blood of Abel in Genesis chapter 4 and verse 10. God says to Cain, he says, uh, Cain, where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth unto me from the ground. See, the word that John uses in 1 John to describe Cain killing Abel signifies the cutting of the throat. And so... Uh, his brother's blood was crying unto God from the ground. So that's the first reference, the first use of the word blood itself. It's also mentioned as the prescription of execution for the crime of murder in Genesis chapter 9 and verse 6. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. In other words, if he dies by accident, that's not the punishment that God expected. God expected men to execute the murderer because he's done something that denies someone the very gift that God gave them. If you take a look at, at uh, Numbers chapter 35. In Numbers 35, they are getting into the, coming close to the promised land. And one of the things that that uh, God Uh, points out to them are laws concerning uh, justice, laws concerning behavior, retribution for sin. And I'm going to begin in in, uh, verse 9. Jehovah spake unto Moses, saying, Speak you unto the children of Israel and say to them, When you pass over the Jordan into the land of Canaan, then shall you appoint cities to be cities of refuge for you that the manslayer that killeth any person unwittingly may flee thither. And the cities shall be unto you for refuge from the avenger, that the manslayer die not until he stand before the congregation for judgment. And the cities which you shall give for you shall be six cities of refuge. You shall give three cities beyond the Jordan, and three cities shall you give in the land of Canaan. They shall be for cities of refuge. For the children of Israel and for the estranger and for the sojourner among them shall these six cities be for refuge that everyone that killeth any man unwittingly may flee. If you killed somebody by accident, you had to go to the city of refuge. If you killed somebody on purpose, you still had to go to the city of refuge. But then there was a trial. And if you were found guilty of murder, it says here, If he smote him with an instrument of iron so that he died, he is a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. The city of refuge was a refuge only for somebody who killed by accident, did not intend to. It was not in his heart. But the one who committed murder had no refuge anywhere. It says, if he smote him with a stone in hand whereby a man may die, and he died, he is a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put to death. Or if he smote with a weapon of wood in the hand, whereby a man may die, and he died, he is a murderer. The murderer shall surely be put... Notice how God's very keen on this. The murderer shall surely be put to death. The avenger of blood shall himself put the murderer to death. When he meeteth him, he shall put him to death. And if he thrust him of hatred or hurled at him lying in wait so that he died, or in enmity smote him with his hand so that he died... He that smote him shall surely be put to death. He is a murderer. The avenger of blood shall put the murderer to death when he meeteth him. But, this is a connecting word, a contrary connecting word. But, if he thrust him suddenly without enmity, or hurled upon him anything without lying in wait, or with any stone whereby a man may die, seeing him not, and cast it upon him so that he died, and he was not his enemy, neither sought him harm, then the congregation shall judge between the smiter and the avenger of blood according to these ordinances. The congregation shall deliver the manslayer out of the hand of the avenger of blood. And the congregation shall restore him to a city of refuge whither he fled. And he shall dwell therein until the death of the high priest who was anointed with the holy oil. But if the manslayer shall at any time go beyond the city of border of the city of refuge whither he fleeth, and the avenger of blood find him without the border of the city of refuge, and the avenger of blood slay the manslayer, he shall not be guilty of blood. In other words, you were imprisoned in the city of refuge until the death of the high priest. If you went out, your blood was your own problem. The, man, the, the avenger of blood was not guilty. God takes the taking of human life very seriously. So he puts out this prescription of execution for the crime of murder. God turned the Nile into blood in, in Exodus chapter 7 and verse 17. Not just the Nile, but a lot of the, all of the uh, containers of water were turned to blood. They had to drink uh, water that was filtered through the sand uh, for the time that the Nile was turned to blood. Why did God do that? He was trying to convince the Egyptians to let the children of Israel go. God told the Israelites to put blood on the doorposts and lentils of their homes. In Exodus chapter 12 and verse 7, he says, about midnight I will pass through the land and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Notice what he said. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. He didn't say, when I see the blood, I'll check and see if there's anybody worthy in there and I'll pass over them. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Nobody was worthy. We're still not worthy. We'll never be worthy. But when he sees the blood, he will pass over us. We also see in the scarlet thread of redemption that the blood is most mentioned in Leviticus. 67 times, according to my computer program. It was sprinkled or poured on the altar for almost every sacrifice. And in Leviticus chapter 17 and verse 10, we're told that the Jews were absolutely forbidden to eat blood. Now notice, he says here in uh, Leviticus 17, I'm going to begin reading in verse 8. No, I'm just going to begin reading in verse 10. Whatsoever man there is of the house of Israel or of the strangers that sojourn among them that eateth any manner of blood, I will set my face against that soul that eateth blood and will cut him off from among his people. For the life of the flesh is in the blood. If you ever come on an accident, the first thing you take care of is not breathing. You take care of the bleeding because the life of the flesh is in the blood. And you only have so much blood. So you need to, that's an important thing. The life of the flesh is in the blood. And I have given it to you upon the altar to make atonement for your souls. For it is the blood that makes atonement by reason of the life. The life of the flesh is in the blood. Remember what God said at the Garden of Eden? He said, of every tree in the garden, thou mayest freely eat. But of the tree, the fruit of the knowledge of good and of evil, thou mayest not eat thereof. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. He said die. Here in Leviticus 17, he says, I have given you the blood for atonement, for it is the life that is in the blood that makes atonement for sin. That's why the Jews were absolutely forbidden to eat blood, because that was the life of the flesh. It's also mentioned in the New Testament. Jesus said that his blood was the blood of the new covenant. Take ye drink all of it. For this is my blood of the new covenant which is poured out for many unto the remission of sins. Same wording, word for word, letter for letter, in both the English and the Greek. In that verse, as is found in Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, where it says, he said, what shall we do? And Peter said, repent and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ unto the remission of sins. Letter for letter, word for word, punctuation mark for punctuation mark, exactly identical in the English and the Greek. Jesus said his blood was the blood of the new covenant. Paul told the Ephesian elders that the church was purchased by the blood of Jesus. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, Paul talking to the Ephesian elders, he says here, get back here and read it. He says, Take heed unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Spirit hath made you overseers to feed the church of the Lord, which He purchased with His own blood. You're purchased. You are bought and paid for. And the price was the blood of Jesus, the blood of Christ. We are justified according to Romans chapter 5, verse 8 and 9 by that same blood. God commendeth his own love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Being therefore justified by his blood, we have peace with God through him. So we're justified by the blood. Hmm. I wonder if that's sophisticated for my sophisticated enough for my friend Jim. I doubt it. I really did. The scarlet thread of redemption were redeemed by the blood of Christ. Ephesians chapter one and verse seven. Paul again, the author, says here, in whom we have our redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. And also First Peter chapter 1 and verse 19, knowing that you were redeemed not with silver or gold from your vain manner of life handed down from your fathers, but with the precious blood of a lamb slain who was foreknown before the foundation of the world. Hmm. Blood seems to be running through the whole series of scriptures. We're made, we're made near to God. By the blood of Jesus. Ephesians 2 and, and verse 13. Paul is pointing out how the Gentiles were far off. He says, Wherefore, remember that once you the Gentiles in the flesh you were called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that you were at that time separate from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel Strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you that were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. I'm a Gentile. I don't know of any Jewish ancestors in my family tree. Probably are. But I just don't know about them. That verse is special to me. And it ought to be special to you. Because that's what gives us hope. We were far off, far away from the commonwealth of Israel, but we're made nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. Peace is made through his blood. Take a look at Colossians chapter 1. Paul, again the author, he wrote half of our New Testament. Paul says here in Colossians chapter 1, we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. Let's take a look at verse... 18, he's the head of the body, the church, the beginning of the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. For it was the good pleasure of the Father that in him should all the fullness dwell, and through him to reconcile all things unto himself, having made peace through the blood of his cross. Through him I say, whether things on the earth or above the earth. If we go to the rest of the galaxy, I like Star Trek. If we if we colonize this whole galaxy, everyone out there, wherever they are, if they're going to be redeemed, if they're going to be bought back by the to God, they're going to have to come back by the blood of Jesus. There is no other way. Our conscience is cleansed by the blood. Hebrews chapter nine and verse fourteen, the Hebrew writer. And we don't exactly know who it is. A lot of people think it was Paul. The Hebrew writer says, How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish, unto God cleanse your conscience? Do you feel guilty about the sins that you committed long ago that you know have been covered by the blood of Jesus? You shouldn't. I mean, we should always regret those things. It's unfortunate But you know, if we've been cleansed, if we've been forgiven, we shouldn't feel guilty anymore. Now if you haven't brought it to Jesus, I hope you feel guilty. I hope you feel guilty until you do. But if you have brought it to Jesus and you can conform to God's law of pardon and He's forgiven you, you shouldn't feel guilty. Your conscience should feel clear. Not because you're You've never done anything, but because you've been forgiven. Husbands and wives know this very well. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 22. According to the law, I may also almost say, all things are cleansed with blood. Now in context, what he's talking about is cleansed from sin. And apart from the shedding of blood, there is no remission. In the Old Testament, it was so. When Cain and Abel brought their sacrifices, whose whose offering was accepted? It was Abel's offering that was accepted. He brought it from the firstlings of his flock. Now, how do we know that that was so? Because we're told by faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. In other words, they were told what to bring. And Abel brought what was told to bring. Cain, Cain worked just as hard for his sacrifice as Abel did, but it wasn't the sacrifice that God told him to bring. That's why Cain's offering was rejected. But why blood? Could not God have chosen a less repulsive means? I mean, how many of us like getting bloody? I mean, if you go... If you go hunting and you're cleaning the animal you've got, you, don't, you still don't like to get blood on your hands. If you're putting down the winter's meat on the farm, you don't leave the blood. You, you don't like that. It's supposed to be poured out on the ground. Couldn't God have chosen a less repulsive means? <coughs> no. For the, ver- for the very reasons in the verses that I cited, that could not have been done. He chose it on purpose and he explained it in the very beginning. In the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Jehovah God commanded the man saying, of every tree in the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat thereof. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. You will pay with your life. And Leviticus 17, 10 and 11 says, the life of the flesh is in the blood. Think about it. Just a bit. We'll talk about it here in a little bit more. Why blood? The the flesh with the life thereof, which is the blood thereof, shall ye not eat. The life of the flesh is in the blood. I've given it to you upon the altar. To make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that maketh atonement by reason of the life that's in it. Life has to be given. Life has to be paid for sin. In the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely, he didn't say bleed a little bit, you shall surely die. The whole idea of shedding blood is expending a life. It is the blood that makes atonement, but why? Jesus blood it's impossible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin (coughs) are we superior to the animals Uh, today that, that may be an important question we have people in our country now that are campaigning for animal rights making animals equal to us They're not. I have four lovely little kittens at home. But I wouldn't give... uh, I wouldn't give my wife to save one of them. I would sacrifice all of them to save my wife. But I wouldn't give my wife to save... Because there's no comparison. Animals aren't people. And all those rivers of blood from all the animals in the Old Testament can't take away one sin. Now God gave that sacrificial system in order to get across to the Jews and anyone that was paying attention back then that sin is serious business. It's not something you can just laugh off. It's not just something that you can ignore and and it'll go away. It's serious. But it's impossible that the blood of bulls and goats, the blood that's shed has to be equal to that which committed the sin. Animals can't commit sin, but I can. I have. I have done it. And I will fall into sin in the future from time to time. All the rivers of blood of the bulls and goats couldn't take away a sin. It had to be a man. Why? Numbers 35 verse 33. So you shall not pollute the land wherein you are for blood polluteth the land and no expiation can be made for the land for the blood that is shed therein but by the blood of him that shed it. No expiation. It's a fancy word for no payment can be made except by the blood of him that shed it. It had to be an equal. We have to respect God's plan. God's the one that set this up. Not us. We didn't invent this. You look at the Bible. There's no way that man invented that. There are things that are similar in the idolatrous world, but you know where they got it? They got it from here. People took God's ideas and polluted them and made idolatrous ideas. We need to respect God's plan. Respect does not mean let God have an equally good point of view. That's not what we mean. That means we have to submit ourselves to it. Who are we to reply against God? Think about it. He spoke this whole universe into existence. I love looking at pictures of the stars. And I mean the stars out there. I mean astronomy. I love, I love looking at pictures taken of the Andromeda galaxy. I love pictures of the Milky Way. I, it's just fascinating to me. I'm no good at it, but I like looking at the pictures. I love looking through a microscope at the creation as small as you can get it. And see how God put this world together. But God spoke that into existence. I didn't. I didn't invent the cell. I didn't invent Andromeda. But God spoke it into existence. Who am I to tell God, you've got to find another way for redemption to occur. He described it for us. He provided it for us. Let's be faithful. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 28. A man that has said it not Moses' law died without compassion at the word of two or three witnesses. Of how much sorer judgment, punishment, think ye shall he be just worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath counted the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing, and it done despite under the spirit of grace. Or, it's just not sophisticated enough for me. Seriously? If God made provision for you, and you reject it because it's not sophisticated enough for you, Seriously, you're going to tell God that on the day of judgment? No, you won't tell that to God on the day of judgment. You'll be concerned about other things. If you need to answer the Lord's invitation to be cleansed by the blood of Jesus, now is the perfect time. Here is the perfect place because everything is ready. If you need to answer the Lord's invitation to set things right, to take advantage of the blood of Jesus that was provided for you without your even knowing about it. Long before you even came to be, God loved you enough to provide the blood of Jesus. If you need to come, want to do so while we stand and while we sing. Thank you for listening to this sermon from the Mulvane Church of Christ. Additional sermons and information available at mulvanechurch.com. Come see what a difference the Bible way makes.